Hey there, I'm Helen Ornelas, and I've been a life insurance, long-term care, and Medicare broker for over 20 years, helping thousands of clients during this time. I've come across all types of cases, questions, and calls from people who are in planning or in crisis and provided solutions. So welcome to the OnLive podcast with Helen Ornelas. Listen, you know as well as I do that taking care of important things in life is motivating, empowering, and even inspirational. You're thinking, what does this look like? If you're a business owner, executive, or someone who wants to know, what do I need to know about life events, how to prepare, where can I get help, you're in the right place. These life events will be coming your way, and you will receive these phone calls from your family, siblings, in-laws, grandparents, business partners, and friends. What calls do you think are coming my way? Let's find out. I'll be sharing stories, solutions from me, my clients, providers of service, and others that can help you now or in the future. We have the toolbox here on life, so if you're ready, let's get your toolbox loaded up. Okay, this is Helen Ornelas with On Life with Helen, and my guest today is Emily Thoreau Threat, and she is from Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. I am very excited to bring her on as a guest today because I think she's going to help us all uh, better understand grief, but how to be around our loved ones and friends when this happens and how to support them. And so I'm super excited. I've learned a lot by uh, reading her book, listening to her podcast, and in other ways that she communicates to us. So Emily, I'm just going to start with letting you introduce yourself and give us a, a bio and then from there, maybe just share with us what you want the listeners to take away with our time today. Okay, I can do that. Well, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. And I um, wrote the book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. But before that, I've been a writer for many years. Uh, you have taught writing at the university level and published three college textbooks. And so writing is something that just kind of comes naturally to me. And though I have retired from writing at the university, they still keep hiring me back because <laughs> the students keep asking for me. I think that me. happens I to a lot class. of people these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's in, it's fun. I love working with the students. It's, it's wonderful to do that because you can online, you can get closer to them and address them more individually than any other way. So I, I think that that's just wonderful. And I'm, I'm glad to do that. But um, I wear many hats. I also own an ambulance company that's over 60 years old in California. And that's an interesting adventure has been for over 60 years. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. It, it really is. It was family owned. And my uh, sister died recently. And so now it's me and my daughter and my sister's two children are the owners now. Oh, wow. But I'm the one that's been there the longest. So, right. It's, um, well, that's quite a legacy. It is. It really yeah. is. And it's, it's wonderful to be able to be in business that long and have it be, we actually, I brag a little bit. We just got notified the Chamber of Commerce has recognized us as the business of the year in the, oh the community gosh. where we are. Congratulations. So, thank you. Yeah. Well yeah. earned, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited about the things that they did that, that led to that with, with, quite amazing how they serve the community. And that's how I believe in doing business is 
doing the the best thing that you can do that's going to serve your audience, whoever that is the best. Yeah. And back to me, (laughs) (laughs) I have had lots of people die in my lifetime, starting with an ambulance call because back in the day when dad got the company, you only had to be 14 years old and have an advanced first aid certificate to be able to be an ambulance attendant. Oh my gosh. And so he made sure I was trained by the time I was 14. And on my 14th birthday, I went on my first call and dad was a deal. Sorry, yeah, dealt fine. with my first fatalities that Oh day. my gosh, that must have been um, a little on the traumatic side. <laughs> um, more than a little bit. Yeah. The whole, whole move to that company and doing that because I was, it was, we only got it about six months, five months before my birthday. So oh, wow. I was, so that was fast. Having, yeah, having lots of experiences mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, thinking a lot about life and death and what's going on. And I later went on to be a licensed vocational nurse, uh, which I did to get me through college. Right. That was a great way to get me through college, but I had a lot of experiences there too. And my husband, Jacques Thoreau, was a bioethicist with a specialty in living and dying. And oh, well, he, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah, it is. He, he taught a class on living and dying for the nursing students at the community college where he was. And it was required for all the nursing students. And then other people could take it too. And it got to the point he couldn't teach anything else because there were so many people that wanted the class. Well, that's such an interesting topic. I, I'm very curious about something like that. Yeah, it, it was, I actually took it because I could get continuing education for There you it. go. <laughs> so I can use units and, and I did. And it, it was a great class. And I, I think it's important in society for us to pay attention to that. It's one of those topics that are kind of behind the curtain. Nobody wants to talk about them or deal with them. I know. But Everyone the, is super afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the more you deal with it before you have to, the easier mm-hmm. it is for you to deal with it. I'm not saying that it's ever easy, but it, there's a level of comfort that you have when you're more familiar. Yeah. Uh, just to share with you a quick note, I had a pretty big health event two years ago. Really super weird thing was going on. It was amazing that I even uh, knew that I had something that wasn't right. But long story short, uh, they had to do a, a an extensive surgery on the main artery of my body, take something off, patch it, put my blood in this hole. And, and you go from being totally fine. And then I remember having this thought about right before surgery that I had to let everything go that I may never wake up from this because it was a big surgery, right? Yeah. And even my husband and I had some conversations. And since I kind of had that experience, it's been easier to think about what happens. And I'm, I don't know. I just thought I'd share that because we never really talked about it until this thing presented itself, I guess, is what I'm sharing with you. And as much as it, I'm sure it was a challenge to go through what you went through, that was a gift in the, the yes. situation because yes. you you look at life differently. I know that having having lost many family members, including my parents and sister, and my two husbands uh, both died. Wow. That by the the time I got to <laughs> the, my husband uh, Ron threat, I was more prepared than I had been before, and although it still is incredibly hard initially. 
I had so much better of an attitude. And in both cases, we were very prepared for when the time came, what was going to happen so that I didn't have to be making really tough decisions at that right. time. And because I, I went through that with my mom when my dad died, because he just died. Mm. He, he had some physical problems, but nothing that was considered terminal and right. just shocked and not prepared. Right. And so it showed me all the things that I needed to do to be prepared. And I know you know a lot about those things with the, the business that you're in. And it helps. The more you know, the more you can talk about it, the more you can normalize it, the better it is. And after my second husband to die died, I started writing because I'm a writer. You're right. <laughs> and I wasn't writing for anybody else. I was just writing for me and working through my thoughts, realizing that the most important thing I could focus on right then was what's the purpose for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. because up until then, I, I was clearly focused on everything that I did in my life. And all of a sudden, we had just moved to Hawaii two years before he died. And we did that because he had lived here be long before I knew him and had many friends still here in Maui. And we had come here on our honeymoon and kept coming back right? because <laughs> we liked it so much. And we finally said, let's let's just stay there. So as much as I thought my forever home was in Ventura in California, now it's my forever home now. Oh, that's so great. I had a lot of things to deal with and writing about it really helped because you can have things float through your mind and think, oh, I'm going to remember that. And you don't. So when, when you write things down, then you can go back to them and they, they really can help you. And in doing that, I thought, well, I can help other people who've lost someone by showing them the kind of writing that I'm doing. So I did. And I, I didn't know that many people that were dealing with loss on Maui because the, you know, I knew people that we had met all along and his old friends, but I didn't know anybody who was dealing with a recent loss or a loss right. where they needed some to work on it, to some help, some comfort. So I put a note on uh, Meetup, the app Meetup, and told people, hey, if you want to learn how to write through your grief, come on over to my house. And they did. <laughs> oh, that's great. I had a wonderful group, and, and we met what was going to be once a month, and they liked it so much, they said, please, can't we meet every other week? So we started doing that until the pandemic. Right. And when the pandemic hit, they weren't particularly tech savvy and didn't really want to go online to do the class. So we're planning on hopefully being able to start it again soon after all this time. Yeah, everyone's getting a little bit bold now about meeting in person again, which I think is healthy for everybody. Yeah, yeah. it is. And we usually met outside. It's so beautiful outside here in Hawaii. We usually oh, <laughs> met outside. So that was really good. But I... I actually started a, a writing program online. And I was doing all that when all of a sudden, one of uh, Ron's best friends on the mainland died, just dropped dead. Mm. And he was much younger than my husband. He called my husband dad. So there was that big of an age difference. And we were family friends. We lived just a couple blocks away from each other on the mainland. And I was so concerned for his wife because I thought she's, she hasn't thought about anything that she, that would happen. Right. When it's yeah, quick like the, that. Yeah. When it's quick like that. So I sat down and I wrote her a letter about these are the things you need to think about right now or doing right now. And these are the things that you don't need to do and you don't need to pay attention to because people say some pretty funny things. 
right. when people die. And if, you, if you're trying to take everybody's advice, you can have issues. So I wrote that to her and she let me know. I got it to her right away before everybody was starting in with all these <laughs> things right. that they were saying. And she let me know later how valuable that was to her because nobody was talking about that. Everybody was saying, I'm sorry for your loss, but <laughs> not doing, you know, the things that constructively, things that would support yeah, her. I can't wait till we get to this part of the conversation yeah. about sorry for your loss. Yeah. I actually think that's a great title for your next book. <laughs> actually, I hadn't thought of that. I've, yeah. I've got a next book in the works that it wouldn't be the right title for, but I could do another book. Yeah, there you go. It's, it's something we all need to read. Anyway, I decided I was going to do more for her since that letter helped so much. I thought I'm going to, I'm going to write to her. And so I decided I would send her a card every week for a year. Wow. And I'd make it with, I'd take all sorts of pictures on my iPhone here on Hawaii. So I could make it with a pretty Hawaiian picture on the front and then put a little something that was relevant to about what she would be going through at that time in that first year. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to do this, I better figure out what I'm going to say because it's 52 cards. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So I sat down and in about a day and a half, I wrote down 52 different things to put in there. Oh my gosh. And as a writer, I thought, hmm, I have an outline for a book. So I got an agent, got a publisher, and my book came out. Wow. And it came out last last January, not this year. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that's amazing. And in doing that, I wanted to do more. I have written a weekly blog forever and it's cool. And I, but I wanted to do more than that. So I thought what's missing and what people are doing when they're writing about grief or dealing with grief is the happiness aspect. Everything seemed to be so sad. Hmm. I, I read a lot of books and, and most of them were memoirs and a lot of tragedy in these books and they were right. very sad. And while I learned some from the experiences these people had, I wasn't finding something that was going to help me. And so that's why I wrote this book the way I did. And, and at the end of each chapter, each chapter is on a, on a specific subject that people would deal with in the process of grief. And at the end of the chapter, it has an activity that you can do to incorporate this into your life. Wow. So it's a, it's a real action book. And I've had a great response to that. People said, finally, <laughs> yeah. something I mean, we can actually use. <laughs> we really, most of us don't know what to do mm-hmm. and, and we struggle. And so a lot of us do nothing or that's right. we make a mess of it, <laughs> you know? That, that's real easy to do. Yeah. And it, um, yeah. It would, what I was discovering, though, is all this this sadness and dealing with grief, and I wanted to do something like that. And I remembered that after Jacques died, I read a book called Happy for No Reason by Marcy Shimoff. And it's a fabulous book. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. And it's all about her research into happiness, because she had always been kind of a sad person, and now she's really happy. <laughs> oh, that's great. And the, the book is great, and I found out that she had a program that would certify people to be a happy for no reason trainer, where hmm. once you got your certification, you could use any of the research and exercises and things that she has come up with and to apply to anything that you wanted to, that you could bring happiness to. And I said, that's it. That's what I'm missing, the grief and happiness. Wow. 
my, my podcast is Grief and Happiness. Right. And I'm, I am a certified happy for no reason trainer now, <laughs> but I focus on the positivity too. And uh, once I got my podcast going, I thought I, I still, I want to do more. And I had this concept because the people responded so well to teaching the writing practices. And then I loved the happiness practices that I learned. So I thought, I'm just going to combine this and make the Grief and Happiness Alliance. And my idea for that was to do it once a week on Zoom. We would do some writing. We'd do some happiness practices. We'd be able to make friends with people that were there who are dealing with things similar enough that we could relate to. Right. And I thought it was a really good idea, but I thought I need to test this out before I do it. So I invited a bunch of my friends to do... Uh, from all over to do a pilot program with me. And I explained what I wanted to do. And I did a sample session of what a meeting would be like. And then at our, our last gathering, I said, my big problem with this is I don't know how to charge people because ah. I don't want people to have to pay for the comfort and support that is like their inherent right to have in, mm-hmm. in their life when they're dealing with grief. And the group said, no problem. We'll find, form a nonprofit organization and cover all the expenses. Wow. And they did. Wow. So <laughs> ask and you shall receive. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that really works. <laughs> yeah. So now I have the grief and happiness Alliance that, that meets weekly and it's growing every week and the people are wonderful. I just wow. love working with them. So that's a little bit about me and all the, the different hats I'm wearing now. Yeah, we'll make sure and put a link on the podcast for people to click on that and check it out. That would be great. Yeah. Thank you. I would love for you to move forward into that area because we all need help. And that's one of the reasons why I have you on the show so you can help us all out in this area. <laughs> well, the my reaction to I'm sorry for your loss, it didn't happen so much when Jacques died. And when Ron died years later, it had become kind of a thing. I don't know if you all remember when Have a Nice Day right. became a thing. You know, before somebody started saying it, it, people didn't say things like that. And once they started, everybody that I remember every grocery store clerk when I was checking out would say right. it, I thought. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I just thought there's there's no feeling behind this. There's no thought behind this. They're just saying something that because they feel an obligation to say something. Right. And, and that's what ha- um, what sorry for your loss came to be something just to say something to acknowledge the loss and then go on to whatever they were going to talk about. And I got to the point that. If one more person said it, I was going to tell them what I thought about. I'm sorry for your loss. And I thought that, that's not a kind thing to right. do because yeah, I know they're, in they're their trying heart, to, they're trying to do something. Yeah, they just don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. So I decided, okay, what would be the, the good thing to do? What would be the best thing to do? And I've discovered that the best thing to do is to say something kind about the person who they lost, who, who's gone. They, yeah, they it, lose it seems them, so you know? simple. Um, mm-hmm. And once you said that, I'm like, I got this now. Yeah, it's yeah. an easy thing to remember. You don't have to memorize a set of words. Right. Every time you say something to somebody, it's going to be different because it's tailored specifically to them. An example I have that really made me start thinking about this was years ago when my mom died after after my dad died. 
I, her friends would tell me things like, oh, I always loved how much your parents loved each other. They were always hold, held hands when they walked. And I thought, wow, what, what a beautiful thing to remember. Yeah. And people would say things about Ron, about the good things he'd done for them and how he, they appreciated the, the inspiration he was in their lives. And boy, stuff like that's powerful and that means something. And it, it feels good to the person that you're speaking to, even if they may shed a tear and don't worry about that because it's a healthy thing and it's okay right, for right. that to happen. So just really support them and, and really consider a lot of people who haven't dealt with loss yet. You will, I promise. Right. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. all do. But if they haven't had a lot to do with it or not with anybody that they've been close to, they kind of don't get it. And I was thinking of a um, man that I talked to that had a, a parent die who had been sick and he'd been having to do all kinds of things uh, in, besides going to work. And when he wasn't at work, he was having to do things to, to deal with what was going on right. with, with his parent. And three days after the funeral, he had to go back to work. And That's he, tough. it was hard, but that they had a three-day bereavement leave policy wow. at that business. And he was having a hard time that day. He And he wasn't like sitting there and sobbing or, you know, running out to be in the other yeah, room. Yeah, but it certainly wasn't focused, I'm sure. He, he wasn't. Yeah. But his boss could see that he wasn't focused. And his boss came up to him and said, aren't you over that yet? Oh, my gosh. And I thought... It was a lesson I learned as a business owner because I, I do own a uh, right. business that you, it's very important to help with your employees when there's a loss going on. I know we have uh, actually one of the guys that is high up in the, the administration in our company is also a minister. And the, the guys all know that. And the ones who want that kind of counseling always know that his door's open and they can go in and talk to him. We also, when something happens, they talk about it. Because the things that, well, I should tell you, I own an ambulance company. And the things that my employees experience are oh, I'm sure. beyond what most people in the world would ever have to deal with. So... We always pay attention to when it's, whether it's it's a loss, a personal loss away from the business, but when it's a loss within the business, we really pay attention to that and and talk to them. And if they need a day off, they get a day off. If, if they need something, we make sure that they're well taken care of. People in business who haven't dealt with loss on their own often don't think about this kind of thing at all. Yeah, I'm glad you kind of brought that part up because we do have a lot of business owners that listen to On Life with Helen. And I know that they all want to do uh, the best thing and they have, you know, every business has their own different policy, but it's tough to have an employee back at work that isn't focused and just not being able to participate and then maybe having to fake being Mm -hmm. engaged or being receptive to people stopping by and having conversations and they just may not be ready yet. Yeah, it's hard. When my dad died, I was teaching at the university and he died suddenly on a Monday night. And I had at that time um, at the university, I taught all day long Tuesday and Thursday because the university schedules are 
are different than usually you go in every day, but that particular semester, that's how it was. So I took off Thursday or Tuesday and Thursday. And I, I know because grapevines work every place that everybody there knew that my dad had died. And because we worked, you know, individually, I didn't know when other people were working, you know, because they have classes at all different times. So I didn't know when I would see somebody. But when I came back, nobody said anything. Nobody sent flowers. Nobody gave me a card. Nobody said, I'm sorry for your loss. Right. Nobody (laughs) said anything at all. And that was harder than anything. Do you think it was just because they didn't know what to do or what to say? Probably. Yeah. That, that, or they just thought if, if, and a lot of people do this, they think that they're going to upset the person if they say something. Right. They don't want to deal with the upsetness and don't think about that. That's, that's not necessary. They're upset already. Trust me. (laughs) So do you want to share with us some uh, things that we can say if we know someone and if we don't know the person who lost, but, or that uh, was lost, but we still are engaging with them, whether it's in work or it's a friend or, you know, a person removed. I would love for people to leave from this podcast with some tools in their toolbox, so to speak. Whenever you are in a situation like that, like at the university, nobody knew my dad. He lived in another town. They'd never seen him or heard him or anything. So they couldn't personally relate to him, but they could say something like, I'm sure it's tough for you right now. Let me know if there's anything I can do to help. However, that let me know if you can, if I can do anything that doesn't really work because they're not going to tell you. Right, right. People, that's another thing that you shouldn't say. And I'm I'm sorry I said that as an example. (laughs) But I had an instance where I had a lot of people when Jacques was sick who said, let me know if you need anything. And we got to the point where I couldn't leave him home by himself and we were out of groceries. And it was back before there was grocery delivery, right. food delivery, that sort of thing. I, I didn't have access to food. And I started calling all those people. And they were friends, but they didn't, um, they didn't answer the phone or they didn't return the message when I left a message. Oh my gosh. And it was really tough. So that's one thing not to say is don't, don't make a promise you're not going to keep. Right. So if, if they saw me, they could have said something in that case because my dad was a stranger. They could say something like, oh, I'm sure you loved your dad so much, or I know it's hard to lose a parent. I lost mine and I'm here for you if you want to talk. Or I'm here for you to listen because listening is one of the most important things. I agree. You can sit there in each other's presence and neither one of you has to say anything. Right. It doesn't have to be words. It's just knowing that there's somebody who is there with you. That, that personal comfort makes, makes a huge difference. But say or, or um, do something for them, you know, Take them a flower. Give them my book. <laughs> That's one thing that I, I think is a really good thing to do. I've often thought that funeral directors would be well served to give a copy of the book to people who are making plans for right. their, their loved one. Because it's something constructive that can help them right then. And it's not going to uh, wilt like flowers do. 
And business owners, that'd be a good thing to do for your employee. That would show your employee that you're thinking about them. Right. That you're caring about them and that you, you want to help. So, so something like that is, as opposed to flowers. Flowers are beautiful and it's nice. I, I prefer to send plants because they last longer. Right. But th- th- does that kind of answer your question to give some ideas? And- it does. And so I kind of want to get back to the, I'm sorry for your loss. Mm-hmm. If you could give us maybe three examples of what to say when you know the person who passed. Mm-hmm. Because I think we kind of get stuck there and I'm a bit, little bit of a bullet point person. So if you're comfortable just giving us three things that we could say, and, and I know you've already spoken about a, uh, one or two of them, but if you could just do three things, that would be great. Okay. Well, this, the first three will be for people that you know. And recently, somebody that I know dropped dead. No warning, just happened. And one of the things that I said was, wow, you know, we're all feeling this together because the people I would talk to would be mutual friends. Mm -hmm. But I remember he was a musician. I love to listen to him sing. I love to go watch him perform. And I'm going to keep those memories and they're going to be special to me. Oh, that's beautiful. So that that's the sort of thing you could say for somebody who you you do know, but mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily a parent or a family member or, or that sort of a thing. You could say when uh, a, a situation for me when someone died, someone asked me, "Is there something that I can contribute to in honor of your loved one?" And that could be whether you knew the loved one or not. Mm-hmm. And that's really nice because it, it doesn't matter if you give $5 to something. If you do sure. a contribution in honor of your loved one, that's, that's really significant. Yeah, I never even really thought about that. Yeah, that's great. And, and a better way spent than mm-hmm. flowers at will. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> you could say, I know you've got some time ahead of you while you're dealing with this. And what I'd really like to do is bring you dinner every Monday night for this month. That's really sweet. I would probably take you up on that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it could be dinner or I've I've got some friends that love in particular my apple pie, my my brownies (laughs) and my chocolate chip cookies. And if it was one of those people that I knew, I didn't have to know who it was that died, but I'd say, I'm going to bring you some chocolate chip cookies. Can I drop them by on Thursday? So that way it's concrete. It's not something like, let me know. Right. But it's something concrete. And you don't have to know the person involved because you're comforting the person you know. But if you do know the person who died, then just say something kind and honest about it. (laughs) I remember at a... um, funeral that we went to for a a good friend of my husband's he worked uh, at the college and he the guy that died had this running argument with the college president it was bad and everybody knew about it and the college president shows up and sits in the front row of the graveside service and um, my children were also close to this guy the guy who died right and they knew about this ongoing thing. 
So this guy gets up and tells how he honored and respected this man for all the wonderful things that he did. And my daughter walked up to him and, you know, after he said that, right. and she said, you know, that's not true. Oh Why my did gosh. you say that? Yeah. Interesting. And everybody around were like, yeah, right on. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she was like a, a sophomore in high school, I think. It took a lot of guts for her to do that. But yeah. She, she couldn't stand the lack of integrity. Right. So if you're going to say something, whatever it is, make sure it's the truth. And that's easy. Truth yeah. is easy. <laughs> yeah, well, the truth is always easy. I think people just get so socially uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. I've even Googled like what to say so that I'm not saying I'm sorry for your loss or when I'm writing a card to give me some hints to be very thoughtful because I'd be lost for words because I just wouldn't know how to communicate, you know, that I want to acknowledge what happened. and. So I think this is this is continues to be a great topic. I know I'm not the only yeah. one. <laughs> no, I know you're not. I, yeah. I've talked to a lot of people about it. And I would say one safe thing you can always do is think about if you were in the situation of the person dealing with the loss, what would you want somebody to say to you? Yeah, I think the the whole memory part or something mm-hmm. that you I know love the memory has part. now just made this um, so much easier. And even if like, it's a parent of a friend of yours, you know, saying that I know you have all these wonderful memories. Well, if you do, if you know mm-hmm. that friend well enough, but yeah, yeah, yeah that's you know, you have to be careful then. there too, but you know, there are, uh, it just makes it a, a little bit easier. I almost stepped in that one. Cause yeah, <laughs> yeah some people, <laughs> their relationships with people are, are sometimes not all that great. Or, or if you know about the person who died, I was just thinking about when my dad died, he was, he was an amazing public servant and people in the, his community really respected him for that. You, you wouldn't uh, believe the size of his service. So, but people, I can't tell you how many people came up and said, your dad was such a great guy and the community's really going to miss his service yeah. or something to that, uh, like that. Right. This is great. So let me just say that, is there anything else that you would like to share at this point with our people that listen to our podcast here that we haven't covered yet? Yeah, well, there a couple things. One of them is if you're in a business, be very cognizant of what happens when someone dies, whether it's, it's one of your employees or whether your employee is dealing with loss. It's very important to recognize that, say something to them about it. Don't ignore it and pretend it'll go away. I've noticed in some places, like employees sometimes end up leaving. Mm -hmm. They do. And and looking for another job because it just kind of all blows up. And if that's someone that you value, you really have to just work with them through it so you can keep them. Yeah, if if you're a boss and you can say something to them, if you see that they're struggling, say, you know, you've got some personal time off days. If you want to take them, just let me know and, and we'll set that up for you. Yeah. And that sort of a thing. And again, something like, and I don't mean to be pushing my book here, but something like giving them something that's acknowledging right. uh, what they're going through and can help them that that can mean a lot to them because they see that you see them. Yes. Yeah, even if they're a quiet type of person, just the acknowledgement 
and and just giving them a little room, I think counts a lot. I, I, I'm a quiet person when things get a little bit heavy. And so if somebody were to come by and, and say something and I would thank them, I would be so happy about that. I may not want to talk to them about it, but I'd be super grateful that they acknowledged it. Yeah, it, that would mean a lot. And the other thing I could say is whether you're dealing with loss or you know somebody who is, then pay attention to the resources. And for me, it's like my book. It's the Grief and Happiness Alliance. It's my podcast. You wouldn't believe how many different things there are out there on grief. They're all over the place. And some of them are really excellent. And grief comes in in many different ways also. There's grief and death, but there's also grief in divorce, in job changes, uh, you know, just all these different things that happen to us in life in general can create that sense of loss. And yeah, I, yeah. I'm sorry. I usually say grief and loss because yeah. it's... Yeah, I was thinking about that. I mean, I've had certain things happen in my life that hit me almost as much as somebody passing away and had that same path to get to the other side, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know that your book can be used for, for many different reasons. That's for sure. Yeah. The, especially since we've had the pandemic, there's all kinds of loss that people didn't even think about having before that they're yeah. dealing with now. Yeah. So be gentle on yourself. Take yes. Care of yourself. That's always my first advice to somebody who's lost someone and they say, what do I do? And I say, take care of you right now. Yeah. It's the most important thing you can do right now. I've had to learn that one. <laughs> I, I, I'm usually taking care of other people, but I'll tell you in the last couple of years, I've certainly learned how to, to take care of me first. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So why don't you share with me what you're doing now? You spoke about your new alliance and another book that you're reading. And what does the future look like? Like, what are you most excited about in sharing your message on an ongoing basis? Well, the two things that my Grief and Happiness podcast and the Grief and Happiness Alliance, I'm very, very excited about. And when I wrote my book, I had an interesting thing happen. I told you about the 52 cards. So my outline had 52 chapters and that's what I wrote. I wrote 52 chapters and I got a, a contract. My agent negotiated it. They put the number of words that I had actually written in those 52 chapters in the contract. And the publishing company signed it all. And then they gave it to the editor and the editor said, okay, this is way too long. We're going to have to cut about half of it. Do you want us to do it or do you want to do it? Oh, wow. And I said, give me a minute to think about it. (laughs) That's your baby. (laughs) Yeah. And I thought everything in here is important for people to know. Right. So I proposed back to them. We've already got a contract for this number of words. Let's publish 26 chapters in this one and 26 chapters in the next one. And they agreed to that. So I'm I'm working right now on editing that second book. And I'm hoping it'll come out in 23. Oh, my intention, I should say. My intention (laughs) is that it's coming out in 23. Well, that's super exciting. The whole, um, I'm sorry for your loss. I think it would be a great title for another book. (laughs) I'd pick that one up. What to say, what not to say. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good idea. I yeah. appreciate that. I, I hope I, that, that, uh, that that works out for you. <laughs> Do you have a closing message for our listeners today? I think it is live your very best life in every moment now. 
And that makes everything else easier to deal with. Great. Because in, in this moment, you're here, you know, you're alive. You can think of something to be happy about, but just, just live right now in the moment and your life will be great. Well, thank you so much, Emily. This has been a really good topic. And when your next book comes out, if not sooner or later, I would love to have you back on. Uh, I think that (laughs) that this is a topic that we could talk about on an ongoing basis. I just think people hearing it over and over again, it would be super helpful. It's really important to pay attention to. The more you know about it, the the easier it is to deal with when the time comes. Yeah. Because if, if you've never dealt with the death of a loved one before and all of a sudden they're gone, you have no idea what direction to go or what needs to be done. Yeah, I'm sure it gets very frightening very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there's one more thing I could say. There's a, a book that's out that's really popular now that's called I'm Dead Now What? Oh. And it's a book that you uh, fill in the blanks so that when you die, that somebody is going to have all the information they need, everything from your passwords to your bank accounts to whatever they need to deal with. There's different ways you can do it. I have a friend instead of a book has a file on her computer that she can update every year or when something on it changes because things change. And writing it in a book, maybe it's, you know, you want so-and-so to sing at your service and that person dies before you do. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> it's important to to be flexible. So with her having it on her computer, she's got everything. And she did that because a dear friend of hers died suddenly. Oh, and gosh. And they, they had talked about it if what he wanted for his funeral. It was just one of those things right. that they talked about. And when the time came, even though she knew exactly what he wanted, his family said, well, that's not what we want. We're going to do what we want to do. And they did. And she was crushed. And yes. so she says, I'm, I'm having it. No questions asked. This is what I want. Yeah. That can be a problem when you're not clear about your intentions. You know, being in the life insurance business and you know, dealing with the senior market and stuff like that. I encourage that all the time because if you leave it to people that don't know what you want, then it becomes Mm -hmm. their, their thought of what you wanted. And and you never know when that's going to affect you. I had, for instance, my mom's sister lived longer than my mom and she ended up with a a brain tumor that was inoperable so that it, it wasn't going to, it wouldn't kill her, but it kind of scrambled her. Right. And she, fortunately, she let me know before she got to the point where she couldn't have let me know that years before she had made arrangements for herself and that she put me down as her durable power of attorney. Oh, wow. Her durable power of attorney for healthcare. And I said, well, gee, I'm really glad that you told me that now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because she said she'd done it years before. I wouldn't have known. Right. And she had a son who everybody would have thought would be the logical person, but he'd been in a car accident and had some. So, yeah, issues. And she knew that he wouldn't be able to handle it. And she knew that I would. And wow. so she just put me on there and didn't tell me. So if you make arrangements, tell somebody you made yep. it. Yes. Let them know what they are and where they are, because you never know when you're going to need it. I never dreamed that I was going to be handling all my aunt's affairs. Right. And that I would need to know what kind of policies and, and bank accounts and all everything else that she quite had. the job. Yes. So that's really, really important to do. Well, wonderful. Well, Emily, thank you. This is, a, again, a great topic. And 
when uh, everything comes out, we'll have the links and everything available so that you can share your message with everyone. And just want to thank you again. And I look forward to having you back soon. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of On Life with Helen Ornelas podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share with a friend. And if you haven't already subscribed, rated and reviewed on your favorite podcast player, please do. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas, or you might want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly, Helen at OrnellosInsurance.com, H-E-L-E-N at O-R-N-E-L-L-A-S Insurance.com. In closing, this podcast is dedicated to all who believe in preparing for the future and beyond. Beyond.